When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Government have been trying to say this has been unpredictable, but they need to be more creative and ambitious than that. I've had to go and set up a petition to try and get this over the line. I brought it to our minister. I brought it to the department. Nobody is listening. Can we just talk? Call 0818 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. So coming in this morning, uh, I was just looking at a few garages... I wasn't on my own in the car. I had my daughter with me this morning, so we're just chatting as we're coming in. So I wasn't paying as much attention as I might have been. But the garages that I did look at, I didn't see one garage where the price of petrol or diesel was lower than 199.9. So two euro per litre, which I paid 201 per litre on Monday down in Glanmire. So what have we gained? Maybe a cent uh, at the low, at the best in any of the garages I saw this morning. So in other words, the excise duty change overnight did absolutely nothing. Now that's, I'm not blaming the government for that before anyone thinks I am. I'm blaming the garages. Like yesterday afternoon, and I put this up on Twitter, yesterday afternoon uh, I passed a garage in Douglas, the Circle K garage in Douglas, and I'm trying to find the picture here on my phone, but I, I tweeted the prices, and they were gone just ape, just gone entirely ape. They were selling one particular brand there for two twenty something at, at three o'clock yesterday afternoon, and those prices had actually gone up since morning because someone else sent up a, or put up a picture of the early morning prices. And then they discovered it was happening all over the country. Miraculously, the petrol that's sitting in the ground, under the garage, in the tank, that was put there probably weeks ago, miraculously went up in price over the space of a couple of hours in advance of the excise being cut at midnight. Like, who's taking us for a ride here, lads? Who is taking us for a ride? The best we got out of this is a centre to when in actual fact, when petrol and diesel was around €2, Euro, it should have been dropping to 181 182 It should have been. But why didn't it? Why, in fact, did it go up before it came down? 
We are being... They're taking the piss out of us, actually, is what they're doing. The garages this morning. And if any garage owner would like to tell me how you can justify what they did yesterday... I'm very interested in hearing about it. I'd like to know as well what, what your local garage has this morning. So what have you seen? Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 And send me pictures. If you obviously sit down, slow down, slow down and take a picture. Or stop, preferably, and take a picture of the prices and send us in and tell us where. Did anything actually, any petrol actually drop down to the 180 or something, maybe 179 it should have done? Uh, anywhere I'd like to know alright a couple of other things we're doing today where do people go when they leave the 96 FM street fleet did you ever wonder that I'm Ellen Collin and these are the amazing spa towns of Europe You'll be dead jealous when I talk to Ellen a bit later. And also, uh, following on from my conversation the other day with Ono Bryn, a very angry mother contacted the programme about her daughter's situation. Plenty to do so between now and 12. But I want to go, first of all, back to yesterday's conversation with Bora. Bora Sweetnam, who has taken in a Ukrainian family and, and put them up already. They're here already. The kids have gone to school already. And he's put them up in a property that he had access to. And he, he mentioned a lady based in Mallow uh, called Angelica, who helped him with all of this. And Angelica is on the line right now. Good morning, Angelica. Good morning. How are you? Good. And good to speak with you. And first to point out, you are Russian. And, and here you are helping to get Ukrainian people to Ireland, which I think says an awful lot about ordinary Russian people. Um, yeah, I think so too. I am Russian. I have both Irish and Russian citizenship, but, you know, I identify as Russian. I speak Russian. Um, you know, I hope my kids will identify as Russians as well as Irish. And it does, yeah, it does totally say that not all, all Russians support Putin and not all Russians are Putin and not all Russians support the war. Why did you decide to get involved with helping people to get here? Uh, I'm a law graduate. I studied at UCC and I'm doing my FE1s now, which not not right now, uh, obviously, for the circumstances. And uh, this is my area of expertise. I'm the managing director of Time to Move Ireland, which is a relocation immigration agency. And that's what we do either way. We help people to immigrate, uh, whether temporarily or permanently, uh, to other countries, including Ireland. And this is just my area of expertise. And when the crisis started, we already had many clients who were from Ukraine or her, whose you know, parents might be in Ukraine and stuff like that. So it wasn't really even a choice. It was mm. like, yeah, we're going to do this. Like, there is no way around it. Sort of spin. Now, Polish people have been freely coming and going to Ireland for years, for example, because Poland is is in the EU, but just over the border, Ukraine is not mm-hmm. in the EU. So simplify it down, Angelica. If Polish citizen can come and go to Ireland as they please, correct? Not so yeah. for Ukrainians. So what was the difference? I mean, I know that the Minister for Justice has made changes, which makes it much easier. But So what traditionally were the difficulties for Ukrainians coming here? The main difficulty was the visa requirement, meaning that every national of Ukraine had to obtain a special visa in order to come to Ireland. Uh, Many of the European countries that are part of the Schengen zone, which Ireland is not part of, 
uh, waived visas for Ukrainians a couple of years back, and they were freely moving within the Europe, but not to Ireland. So uh, the visa requirement, like some people don't maybe understand what is visa. Uh, basically, you apply uh, to the embassy, uh, like to the Irish embassy in Kiev, uh, with your documents, uh, with your financial statements saying that you have a steady income. Uh, that you have enough money saved for the trip to Ireland, that you're trying to prove that you're not going to stay in Ireland illegally, that you're going to come back uh, and all that. So there is a lot of documents uh, that needs to be submitted. And obviously the embassy takes time. And like sometimes they can review it even for three months. So during these three months, people don't know if they're going to be granted visa or not. Mm. And uh, people might be coming here to visit friends, families, to study, even to work, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's a not simple process. And in some cases, there would be also uh, refusals of visas, which is very much a case for non-EU nationals worldwide, mm. not just Ukraine. Now, Minister McEntee last week, the week before, waived the need for a visa. How big a deal is that, Angelica? That's a huge deal because obviously, like Ukraine isn't the most uh, richest country in Europe, and uh, there are not that many people who can afford visa for starters. Like they, they can't show steady income that Ireland wants to see because for, within the current requirements, you have to show at least 500 euro a month that you can spend in Ireland which is quite a big money for Ukrainian nationals. Whereas now Ukrainians can just, you know, arrive to Ireland and they get their stamp, um, their passport is basically stamped at the airport for 90 days. Mm. So it's a tremendous change. It's huge change, especially if you consider that there aren't that many visas for Ukrainian nationals to come as a family. For example, student visas uh, do not allow for family reunification, meaning that if, you know, you want to get a better career and you feel that you need to learn English in order to do that, or if you need to get a master's degree from Trinity, for example, or UCC, uh, you effectively have to leave your family behind and Mm. finish your studies in Ireland and then come back. There is no option for you for your family to join you on really no base, basis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, now they can you know come as a family and live here in Ireland. So it does open a lot of doors to Ukrainians who would have not had an option either way like okay. before. That's that's a huge change then. So the work it of your a, agency yes. at the moment. What what are you doing to help people to to get here? Well, look, we're doing actually several things. Uh, We started with just uh, offering accommodation. We reached out to the Irish public and we had quite a good response, like Barra, that was yesterday on the show. Uh, He was one of the first persons, volunteers, who reached out and said, look, I have a house that can accommodate refugees. Just send them in, give me info. I'm here to help. And there are many people like that. Like we have... um, a guard sergeant in Dublin who reached out to us as well, and there is a family living with him in Dublin now. Mm. So w- we have lots of people reaching out and doing that. Uh, so that's when we started. We're like, okay, we have some accommodation. We can, you know, conduct refugees with hosts here in Ireland, with volunteers here in Ireland. Mm. Uh, the second part that we started doing was free English classes. Because my company has lots of partnerships with English language schools here in Ireland, 
I basically wrote them an email saying, look, guys, we have a crisis here and I'm asking for anything, like anything you can offer us, we will take it. And a few schools did answer our call and even reached out first, like International House Galway uh, gave us 13 scholarships for 25-week course uh, in their school for free. Mm-hmm. And to mind you, this course would usually cost about 3,000 euro for a non-EU student, which, you know, school is basically <laughs> giving that money away. And we've already filled the scholarships and these people, the refugees, come in to study English there. Um, now, ATC in Dublin gave us three scholarships. Uh, school in Malahide, uh, Irish College of English gave us two. So, uh, you know, and we're still, like, we had a meeting with Marketing English in Ireland. Um, that's an association of English language schools sure. in Ireland. And we talked about other schools, uh, you know, how they can help. If it's not scholarships, mm-hmm. then maybe, you know, some online classes, maybe once a week, uh, you know, speaking club or how yeah. to find a job or how to write a CV club or something like that. Angelica, so, is, is English taught in the Ukrainian school system? I ask because since we started talking about this crisis, I've been hugely impressed by the quality of English among many of the Ukrainian people I've spoken to. So is it is it taught in the school system? It is taught, yes, but to mind you, the people who are coming, like families, especially women and children, they would not speak any of the English. Like the stu- the, the reason why we allocate in those places, uh, because lots of Ukrainians don't speak any English. They like they barely know hello, mm. and it's very hard for them to come into any country, uh, you know, without the language skills and uh, to start their life from the scratch essentially. So, when When they come and there seemed to be a big response, the Red Cross said there's been a very big response to people wanting to help, like like Barra helped and others coming through your agency are helping. Unfortunately, there's not going to be enough of that help. Some people are going to have to go into hotels. That's going to be difficult for them. Absolutely, yes. I mean, we're very thankful to the government of Ireland that they are providing at least the hotel accommodation and as far as I understood, that accommodation will be speech for the mobile homes at some point within the direct provision. But, you know, it's always um, for for a person who did come to Ireland on my own, uh, I found it beneficial when I was immediately leaving. Uh, I was like the first time I came to Ireland, I was just living with a girl from England and uh, I came on a work permit. So I was working with Irish speakers and Irish nationals and English nationals and Polish nationals and all that. And it did help me to start my life here. It did help me to feel home, to feel like I can do things here, to know my rights, to understand how everything works, essentially, and to understand the cultural differences as well. So I think it's very important for anybody who is coming to a new country to be engaged in the community and to be able to start living within the community. People who are being left at the hotel, they're not given that opportunity. Yes. And they're basically what I would be afraid of is, you know, completely close community of Ukrainians who, you know, don't know anything about Ireland and are not being exposed to you know, the community here in Ireland, uh, like basic things, you know, their kids might not be going to school and they might not be starting even to learn English, uh, which is, you know, 
bad. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> we don't could, want that. We want to be able to help people to integrate because they may be here for quite some exactly. time. And some of them may decide they want to stay. Here's a question that has come in, Angelica, um, from a listener. And I think there's a point being made here. Supposing someone comes over under these present positions, settles here, gets a good job with a good company, and then they realized, you know what, I'd actually like to stay. I'd like to stay with my family. We're safe. We've got a good job here. Then the war is settled, shall we say. There might be peace or mm-hmm. treaty or whatever. Would they then have to go back? Or could they be granted mm-hmm. leave to stay? Because the last thing we want in six months to a year's time is that people who are happy here and have settled here and have good jobs mm-hmm. here that we're sending them home? I don't know the answer to that question. What I know now from the legal point is that temporary protection is being granted for a period of one year with the permission, you know, to be extended for the further periods of two years initially. Now, we don't know what's going to happen in three years time. We do hope that the war will be, you know, short and the peace will be, you know, within the few weeks time. And, you know, something is going to happen. But obviously, like you can imagine, people left their home and like we have some people who don't have any more home, like their home was destroyed. They have nowhere to return to. That's right. I mean, and uh, And I think in a way that's that may be the people that our listener is thinking of that they, they, you know, they they don't have a home to go to. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's also a question of everybody in terms of like if I was a person who is fleeing war and I found a place that I really like and, you know, I get a good job and, you know, I, maybe I find somebody I love and get married and stuff like that. Would I go back? I don't know. I mean, it's a question for everybody. Like I have uh, my colleague and my friend is actually in Ukraine with her son and her husband. And we've been in contact since it was started. So for two weeks and she has been at the border of Romania for two weeks and she's not leaving Ukraine because she's afraid she will never see her husband again. And that's a very, you know, difficult choice to choose, you know, safety for yourself and your son or to stay with your loved one. And I do know that they are going to stay there until almost the end, until she doesn't have that choice anymore. And uh, obviously, like she doesn't want to leave. Like they were happy there. They had a house, well, an apartment. They were living in Kiev. They both have very good jobs, you know. He's in IT. She works with with us uh, as a consultant. And, you know, yeah, it's pe- people are not leaving because they like Ireland. People are leaving because their house is being bombed. That puts it absolutely straight and plain. And thank you so much for doing so. Angelica, can I ask you a question of, I suppose it's yeah. based purely on opinion and you being... Russian yourself and obviously apart from helping people which is wonderful you're keeping a very close eye on the situation in your own personal purely personal opinion do you think this will end anytime soon I hope so yeah I hope so mm-hmm. I I don't know <laughs> yes but I hope so yeah we we all hope so 
Angelica, you're doing wonderful work and it's a pleasure to speak with you on the Opinion Line. Uh, your agency is called Time to Move Ireland and they can find you online, can they? If, if anybody wants to help. Yeah, they can find us online and uh, my email is asamulava or info at timetomoveireland.ie. Okay. okay. So you can raise email. Pleasure to speak with you on the opinion. If there's anything we can do at any point to help your work, then you know where we are. That's Angelica Semuliva. Um, time to move. Ie is the website. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Children's laughter. A mother's smile. A father's warm hand of comfort in the darkness. They are the foundations of family. And even when the earth is shaking, sky falling, with no one left to take your hand and guide you through the rubble as you run, the foundation still stays strong. And a sound louder than the bombs is the beating of our hearts as one with you. Heavy fighting and shelling continues in Ukraine with grave humanitarian consequences. An increasing number of women and children are suffering alone without even the basic human essentials to keep clean, safe and warm or have access to emergency medical services, critical medicines or safe drinking water. The Irish Red Cross with Cork's 96FM needs your help now. Be the comfort in the darkness for these women and children. Please donate to the Irish Red Cross Ukraine Crisis Appeal at 96fm.ie forward slash aid. Courts 96fm. We have lots of stuff coming in with regard to the prices of petrol and diesel. And surprise, surprise, we're not surprised. But I'm going to go first to Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, you have a GoFundMe going at the moment, trying to raise money for humanitarian aid and evacuation assistance from Ukraine. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning. How are you keeping? Hi. You're dealing specifically with, with friends and people you know over there, aren't you? Uh, yeah, that's correct. So uh, I was in contact initially before the war kicked off. Uh, with friends who felt the tension building up. And one of them in particular, she was looking to get her uh, passport renewed just because she has a six-month-old baby. So she was taking precautions just in case something did happen. Um, and then she received a, a message saying that her passport was ready for collection the next day. And then when she went to collect it, then uh, all the offices were closed and the place started getting bombed and everything. So she was stuck there for the last week then, uh, basically deciding what to do. They were under... Uh, artillery bombardment and missile strikes. Um, so finally, now they have a chance to get out. So after being in contact with them, I decided I can try and do what I can to help them. So, what kind of a route do they face to get out? Uh, it's very similar. If you've been following the story with Rachel, uh, the medical student the medical from Carlo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, leaving the same town in Sumi. Uh, more or less the same route, like facing artillery uh, in the town itself, uh, coming across like Russian forces on the way out. And I was reading there yesterday, she actually managed to make it to the Romanian border, which is similar to my friends now as well. So, right. Now you're trying to go over there as well to help and, and helping them to drive here when they do get out. Yeah, that's correct. So I'll arrive over in Romania tomorrow and... Then I'll head to the border myself uh, just to assist there with any supplies that I can bring. 
and uh, assist them and other people then with getting out. Um, for them, they were considering flying, but like you have to remember as well is that like last minute they had to pack any belongings that they had or they didn't think they could take from the house. So you know the the car was full with anything that they could take. Yeah, for me, I thought driving would be the best option uh, and then taking the ferry across. So... We've got a message that they sent to you yesterday. They seem to be crossing a bridge. Uh, Dnipro. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So the signal wasn't great over, so I was trying to keep in contact with them on the route, but uh, because the signal kept dropping in and out, it was difficult for phone calls. So every so often I would just get an update on their location from them, which was obviously reassuring as well. So. Yeah. And and are they? I mean, uh, are they a good distance from shelling? Are they a good distance from tanks? Uh, at the moment, they seem to be okay. Um, yesterday, all right, they did pass convoys, and like the biggest concern was being hit up, because on the way out they would have passed like civilian cars as well, um, that would have been shot up, and you'd have obviously dead bodies and stuff inside in it, oh which is pretty daunting if you're in the same situation trying to get out. So, oh god, so they're passing, they're passing people who've been shot in their cars. Yeah, passing people out. So. Good Lord. Crikey. So how much do you need to raise to get over to help them and get them back? Um, so any of the funds from, like, my own personal expenses I'm covering myself. Nice. Uh, the money itself that I was raising was just to uh, get whatever supplies I could over while I was at the border because I didn't want to show up empty-handed. And then money then would go towards... Um, getting my friends then back here and just getting them set up. Like the majority of them just want to get straight back into work and just to uh, start working straight away and to do whatever they can then to support their own uh, friends and family in Ukraine. Sure. So whatever I can do to assist them with that, like I'd be more happy to do it as well. Sure. So. How, how big a deal is it that they no longer need a visa now to come here? Oh, that's huge. Like especially with regards to being able to work straight away. Yeah. I'm in a few Ukrainian groups now and the majority of them that are here, the first thing they're asking is about jobs. What jobs can they get? Mm-hmm. Uh, where can they start working? Because like the last thing they want to do is uh, come here and do nothing. Like everyone that I've spoken to so far now, they're extremely eager on uh, just getting set up somewhere, starting working their own money and being able to uh, support people back in Ukraine who haven't left yet. So. Right. so they really are looking to get relocated and get to work and get sorted and either help the people behind them that are left behind them to either get here or send them as much aid as they possibly can. The the, the tragic part is the young men, isn't it, Jonathan? They just can't come out. Yeah, and that's a big issue. And then what I noticed as well is speaking with uh, other friends, uh, their parents, for example, if their father or the, uh, has to go stay fighting, then the mother often doesn't want to leave either. Yeah. Um, so a lot of them are moving further west where it's safer, but they're not actually leaving the country itself. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it's difficult for them as well. If, like, if it's their home and if they grow up there, ah, yeah. uh, it's not easy for them to just leave as well. Like, so. I suppose we could envisage ourselves. Imagine putting our putting ourselves in that position. You, know, you can't, can you? You can't imagine what it must be like. No, not at all. I mean, it's not something I've ever experienced, and something. Uh, I'm grateful I never had to, but um, for those that are going through now, I'll do whatever I can to help them. All right. Jonathan, you're a decent fella. Your GoFundMe can be found under the title Ukraine Humanitarian Aid 
evacuation assistance or I'm soon sure if they go into GoFundMe and search uh, Jonathan search Jonathan Tobin they will find your page Jonathan thank you very much and good luck and we wish your friends safety I think that's the best thing the only thing we can wish people we wish them safety uh, on their route and thank you 0818 96 96 96 as I said piles of response to what I said this morning yesterday we were talking about the petrol pumps they were being jacked up. The prices were being hiked up all over the place yesterday. For example, I found that photograph from Circle K in Douglas yesterday afternoon. And yes, I am naming them uh, because this is a genuine photograph of their sign. Yesterday afternoon at about 5 to 2, and I know it was 5 to 2 because I was passing them on my way down to collect my son. Their lowest price on the forecourt yesterday afternoon was 209.9. Their highest price for their highest grade of diesel was 233.9 in Douglas yesterday afternoon. It had been lower in the morning. I wonder what it is now. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie We've just given away thousands of euro on the Cork's 96FM cash cow. I will win Megan Moolah. 350 euro. Chris, 350. Oh, I'll take it and run. Take it and run, man. 350 euro. It's all yours. 250 euro. Yeah. Take it, take it. Come on, don't move, don't move. 250 euro. Take the money and run, Maria. 250 euro. Thank you so much, Doreen. Congratulations to all our winners. With Man Point for fashion, film, food and fun. Don't wait till the cows come home. Get moving to Man Point. See manpointsc.ie. Stay listening for our next big way to win. For our next big way to win. Only on Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, I'm just going to go in a second to Eugene Drennan, who's president of the Irish Road Haulage Association, because the hauliers are seriously affected by this cost hike in diesel. So some of your messages. Apple Green in Bandon, unleaded 184, diesel 199. Island Gate has a Serta one of those automatic garages, 183.9, 179.9 for unleaded. The diesel is now dearer than the unleaded, which is a complete flip. Uh, uh, Apple Green Toker, 199.7 for diesel, 184.8. Uh, I got started Lanton, they seem to be playing the game, 179. Uh, garage on the link, 194.9. This morning, it's 211. Point nine. Uh, 202 just outside Drumahan uh, diesel one uh, yeah, Little Island is doing okay 206.9 South Link Road 208 in Cove Maxall Cars Hill Cargline 204 Riley's Blackpool 199.9 they're all coming in in or around that 
uh, with a couple of notes in as well, voice notes at WhatsApp 83 96 Here's Stephen. Is it just me or have people in that own the petrol stations forgot that the price of fuel has gone down? Because petrol is still two euros and the diesel is just as high. When is this going to take into place? Eugene Drennan, president of the Irish Road Haulage Association. For the average motorist, this is tough. For you guys, it's a nightmare. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. It is indeed a big nightmare. Uh, the price of filling a, a truck, which is filled at least every second day, has gone from three three hundred euro to seven hundred in a very short space of time. Now, do you guys get a rate on diesel, or do you pay the same as I do when I'm putting diesel in my car? Well, we'll be able to claim the VAT back, of course, you know, okay. that's part of the business. It's, it's a cyclical uh, way of doing it. We collect it and we pass it on to the government. So about per so litre, what do you think? Well, we get about a cent to two cents less on the net price for full tankers. But other than that, we're very close to the public. Quite a lot of hauliers fill on cards, on fuel cards, and they might have a cent less than your net. Um, uh, that's about all that's in it. It's very tight. A C-103 has been... A- Go, go ahead, sorry, Eugene. Go on. Okay, okay, it's very Fuel prices are very tight. Uh, you, it's a cent to two, maybe three, is is what's in it for bulk as opposed to the pump. Um, it's very tight on price, and I just heard the clip from whoever phoned in about the changing prices. You know, they're changing as quick as the tides. It is difficult to keep up with it, but there is a little uh, evidence of. Um, slightly manipulated now maybe price not changing as quick as they should coming down but yesterday it fell and uh, it was sort of against the run of play they discovered that America doesn't use Russian oil so then it fell a bit and there was another something else happened in the Middle East and who knows what will happen today you know, so but the wholesale price did go down a little bit yesterday but yes. but that doesn't affect the pumps for, for several weeks at least so yes, it takes a it takes about six weeks you know, to get a tanker in from the Gulf. So why did do you think pumps that were priced yesterday morning at shall we say two oh one, the minute it was confirmed that the government was reducing the price from midnight, that two oh one miraculously became two twenty in some places. And now no. it's back to where the litre is actually dearer than it was yesterday. What's going on, well, Eugene? Well, the reason is back to where the dearer than yesterday, because though, as the minister was speaking, the markets overtook what he was giving. The neutralizers it went up more than he actually gave off, and then it fell again. Uh, but in, at that time, it, it did actually go up. That's what happened there. But the market, you see, I take your point that the market went up and down yesterday, and it did. Yes. But I'm thinking yes. about a fella with a garage and anywhere at all. The fuel in his tank, yes. underground, did not go up yesterday. And the fuel affected by the wholesale price would be yes. nowhere near him for six weeks. So what is that fella up to? Oh, it's, that is a little gain within the industry, I'd say. And we are reflecting the same uh, thinking line to the minister because um, both shipping coming into Ireland last week was delayed and the tankers didn't arrive in time. And we've had a little bit of this because of storm six weeks ago in the Gulf, uh, late late loading. That's what they tell us. But it, it, you would wonder, because they were making more money while the aisle was at sea, 
And while they were delayed in the RC before they got into the Bertage, they actually made more money. And then did the wholesalers or the people importing it take advantage of that part of the profit? It was sheer, um, you know, sort of taking advantage of of the increase. And that's unfair. And that's where consumer affairs should take an eye to. This is where I wanted to, to get to, which to hone the point down. I'm just a fellow who fills me car. And, and I keep an eye on what I'm paying. But people yeah. like you, you have to watch the prices for the benefit yeah. of your business. Yeah. Are you saying in your position, Eugene, as president of the IRHA, that in the last 24 to 48 hours, in anticipation of the excise cut, certain people have taken advantage of the situation? Yes, they may have. Uh, they find it difficult to take advantage with us because for the most part, we buy into tanks and we buy, quite a lot of us buy full loads. Yes. Now, uh, there's quite a lot of us on the fuel cars as well and they're very susceptible to that changing market which is uh, vulnerable to a bit of manipulation. At but the flipping up and down of prices at the pumps, does that look yes. to you like people taking benefits? Of course. But in every business, there's a little bit of benefit, you know, but it's hardly taken over-the-top advantage. That's what consumer affairs should, mm. rightly, as you say, they should be looking into. And I'm sure there's a bit of observation, but it should get more proactive now mm. because it's, it's just too uh, vulnerable. I was reading this morning and listening to some of the early morning coverage on radio. Is there a danger of trucker protests now, Eugene? Are you thinking Yes, there it? is. Yes, there is. Yes, uh, we couldn't accept what he announced yesterday. We were with the minister last Monday. I have three years now done, done trying to uh, argue, essentially use a rebate or something for the haulier. During COVID, it was really during the COVID times of what we faced. And there was always some scenario of uh, working remotely or, you know, the, and in fairness, the different strains of the virus come in. We had to forget that. But now that we're in such a high price and jeopardy, we have to get it done and get to um, a, a quite large subvention from government in whatever guys they give it to us. And yesterday didn't come anywhere close to where we need to be. If we were to pass on the prices we've met since Christmas, we would be looking for 40% from our customer. Now, in the round and in fairness to everybody, we all have to take a bit of strain. We are in wartime situation. It is very difficult times, all recognised. But the government has a huge take from us. We have paid in excess of 200 million in carbon taxes that came in. We have paid two cents a litre from back in the 90s or maybe late 80s for the storage of the idle reserve fund. And there has been millions upon millions and maybe billions put into that fund at two cents since then. And wherever they find us or however they get to us, uh, the, uh, no customer can give us the totality mm. of what we need now and we certainly can't take the strain that, that's, the Nora, that's the infamous Nora tax which I only that's found Nora, out about yeah it. we did a lot of looking for Nora but we found her there lately the Nora tax and I didn't know what it was until I read it, read it up it's to keep that's reserves the now there yeah. is a thing there Eugene under the Consumer Protection Act of 2007, mm. there's a clause within that act that in times where the government, where the economy is under severe ah, pressure yeah. because of an emergency situation, you can fix and limit prices. Is it time for the government to do that? Yes, it is. But there's also, that is an Irish legislation, but there's also another clause, unfortunately, Peach, is there always another clause? There's an EU legislation on subvention to, to, to businesses, and there's also EU legislation on how you can tamper with excise or where you can go with it. And that's where the minister went yesterday, and we can't get further in. That's, and in my book, that's where he made his mistake. He, we have 
it's a little um, help we got from in Michael Noonan's day when we were in the uh, downturn of the 08, 9, 10, and it's called the Essential User uh, Rebate Scheme, so some people call it the Diesel Rebate. And um, it's a very small, at the maximum today, it's, it's 7.5 cents. But the template was there, and he could have used that because it was mm. in place. Now, we probably would be out of sync with somebody, and probably out of sync with Europe, and we'd have to seek absolution or something. But the template was there to get us an injection of, of uh, rebate yeah. higher that would help, that is badly needed. Yeah. That wasn't used. We also said to him, sell it to us like you can sell the green diesel to a farmer at one euro ten, because that's what the legislation, that's what was accepted. So extend that legislation to us and sell it as that to us. There you go. Or give us the National Idle Reserve at a euro. There's 90 days over there now. It, it is intended for uh, wartime and for, I suppose, uh, backing up the, the public services. Yeah. But we are essential. Okay. If we stop like the the economy goes down. Now, lastly, on that point, and I want to move and get a farmer's point of view in just a second, Eugene, but but, but lastly, are we looking at, I see the price, some, something simple like uh, um, a Brennan's bread has gone up yeah. from 158 ah. to 175 yeah. since Christmas. Are we looking at supply chain problems? Are we looking Absolutely. at shortages? Yes. For sure. On the red side, like wheat with Ukraine and all the issues there, you can look at doubling that figure perhaps. And if we, and even if we don't go on, on protest, uh, there are technical issues with the war for products to be got and sourced and brought in here. And then if we go on dispute, you'll see a lot of shortages. And that is the point. Now, I, uh, I was called into Minister... Ryan, last night, we didn't finish with him till half eleven, and we put another three scenarios to him that can help us and funds to get out of it. Out of. And they're hung up. They don't see the wider political problems and uh, impact on Ireland and on Ireland as an island. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll bring that home to him and we've put a sequence of scenarios. And I've had two communications with the Department of Transport already this morning. But, you know, it, it would really put you into bewilderment of wonderment to why they cannot cut to whatever they're going to give you, give it to you and get on with it. Yeah. There's always some rule regulations, as you uh, rightly referred to there at the start of the interview, and, uh, but it's time to cut to the chase and get something. And I, we are at it, hopefully, hopefully we will find something today. All right, Eugene, thank you very much. Eugene Drennan, President of the Irish Road Haulage Association. Yesterday's cut just did little or nothing for them. He mentioned the farmers and the green diesel, and they only pay about a euro or a euro ten for a litre of diesel because they don't pay any excise on it. Well, they pay tiny excise, which was cut by only two cent. Dennis O'Callaghan for the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. That green diesel adjustment, virtually useless, I would say. Good morning. Um, do you know what, Tizio? Good morning, um, uh, PJ. It's an actual insult to the people uh, to, to even think that we would be offered two, two cents of a drop, considering the amount of what has gone up in the last 24 hours again. Um, what I see here is a government that are completely, and we've look, we've been told this for the last 12 months at least, if not more, completely out of touch with reality, completely out of touch to the, uh, so far that, as, as your previous speaker said there, Eugene Drennan, um, that we will, there's no doubt in the world, I've been involved in the food industry myself for the last 40 years, we will see shelves empty. 
There is no two ways about it. Now, there's another factor here uh, that has been brought to my attention. Um, it's where hauliers uh, involved in the food industry are not getting any help from the people they work for in the sense of increasing the rates. Some of them have, and some companies have been very good. But more companies have not stepped up to the market. Mm. Um, as you know, we're, we're, we're cattle and sheep, but we now we find ourselves representing and people ringing us uh, who are uh, tillage farmers, uh, vegetable growers. Mm. In fact, yesterday I had two dairy farmers ring me um, because they were told by their um, haulier who collects their milk there's a possibility they could see themselves having to spill the milk in the next week or 10 days. Spill it? How do you mean? Why? Because the, 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 the guys with the trucks won't be able to keep going to collect the milk on the farms. It's as simple as that. Oh, and my God. So you're saying now, let's make this very plain, people are milking their herds yes. and collecting the milk to be taken yes. to the creamery. Yes. But because of the price of diesel, yes. the lorry may not be able to come out to collect the milk so the milk can be poured away as waste. Yes, exactly. And how close are we to that, Dennis? Well... Look, I had two farmers ringing yesterday. Uh, as I said, uh, we've nothing to do with the dairy industry as such, but we are finding ourselves representing more and more people in ICSA. Um, um, they've been told within a week to 10 days. Now, look, I, I tell you, I believe it. Why do I believe it? Well, look, as I said, I spend years with it myself. My son is at it now. Um, and we see it ourselves out there, look. Um, you know, you'd have to take your hand, uh, hat off to the, 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 the man in, in Ukraine. He's standing by his people. Right? In war times. He's yes. doing, he's going to be, look like he's going to be there to the bitter end. Yes. We have a government that are going to jet off in the next week. In uh, war times, if yes. anything needs to be discussed or, or put in place, there looks like there'll be no one there to do it. Uh, to me, what was done yesterday was, was, was only a housekeeping exercise in the sense we're seen to do something before we leave the country. Um, that's all it's worth yesterday to anyone that knows anything about it. Um, you know, um, Eugene spoke there about, uh, and yourself, about uh, people uh, using the situation for their own gain in messing around with prices. Well, look, there's a new um, office after being set up, the, the Unfair Trading Practices Office, who, um, that I, I, I personally uh, campaigned for for the last five years to be put in place. Now it's put in place, and I think they'll have plenty of work in front of them. To, to, to investigate what's happening because uh, definitely, look, I'm just listening to, your, to the people who rang in this morning and the prices you've quoted yourself. Um, Sinn Féin's idea yesterday uh, of a cap on it. Now, we're not saying it should be 175, but at least if there was a cap on it, there'd be some regulation and you wouldn't be getting the phone calls we're getting this morning. All right. Okay, Dennis, leave it there. Thanks very much. Dennis O'Callaghan from the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association. Again, a tuppence to farmers per litre. But remember what Dennis has just said. Now, he's not involved in dairy, but he said people in dairy are talking to him. You have farmers who are milking their cattle, storing the milk, and waiting for the men to come from the creamery. We are at a point now where it's costing so much to send the truck out from the creamery that they may end up pouring that milk back into the land. That's where we are. 0818 96 96 96 Orla was also in with a voice note on WhatsApp PJM after uh, passing five, six garages on my route this morning which is a bit different than normal and they're all 199.9 it's absolutely ridiculous 0833 96 96 96 Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The 
lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, not a lot of joy on petrol or diesel prices this morning. The very most or the very least they seem to have dropped to, except in outlying stations certainly no busy main road station that I've heard of has dropped them down to the 180s 170s they're all in or around the 2 euro 201 maybe 199.9 then we get the message as a healthcare worker going into people's homes to look after them the fuel war is making it even harder it's pure greed for garages to do this to people who've supported them all along yeah, where are we going? Uh, diesel in Black Rock, 209. And diesel is now dearer than petrol. Fishing boats now being tied up. We were talking to Patrick from the Fisherman's Group yesterday about that. Three super, super tankers storage in, Bla- in Bantry. Why don't they fill them up and use them as an emergency reserve? Yeah, let's not forget home heating oil. There's a lot of pensioners dependent on it. They're on fixed incomes. The government has to do something about that and they must realise it's a problem. That's a very, very fair point. PJ, the government took took something off the gallons of petrol. The stations put it up by just as much. We should boycott the stations that did that and support the ones that did not. Yeah. Uh, Maxall haven't dropped the fuel prices. Still the same. Now that we're not sure if that's all Maxall, but certainly the garage that that person was in. Oh, well, let me go to, with two things. There's a voice note in there from Tony, and Alan called. Alan is on three, yeah? Hey, Alan, good morning. Hi, good morning, PJ. Fuel prices, sir? Oh, they're an absolute disgrace. It's it's a joke. I don't understand how they think people will live. Yeah, you're you're an apprentice, I think. Yeah, I'm an apprentice electrician. Right. So you travel a lot in course of your job? Yeah, so basically I'm travelling around Cork non-stop, different jobs every day and sure but fuel prices are what they are now how, how can they think normal people who live their day to day working driving around how do they think they're going to get around like like 222 for a per litre of diesel is it's almost not livable like was that this morning that was that was this morning at half seven I, I went and fill up I went to fill up the car before work and sure I put in 60 or all like I, like I would normally do and I'd fill the car and it, just about got me over half tank. Two twenty two, and that was in Rochester. That was in the the Circle K Centre in Rochester. With prices having gone down at midnight by at least fifteen cent by fifteen cents. Yeah. So sure, all all I seen on social media all last night was don't fill your car until tomorrow. Prices are going down. Sure, I'm I'm sure they're after going up even more now since yesterday. You're better off in a horse and cart. I think you presented the lads outside. I might I might as well go in by a horse and carriage and ride the horse to work That's it'd just, be cheaper in the long run that's insane that's insane crazy Alan thank you 2.22 for diesel this morning in Rochestown 2.22 they said they were bringing it down by 15 cents 2.22 for a litre a litre of diesel this morning and then Tony on voice note here's what Tony had to say this whole diesel being dearer than petrol crack there's more going on here than what we all know about. I genuinely think 
the reason the diesel has gone higher is because Eamon Ryan has committed to have have an X amount of electric cars on the road by whenever the hell it is. Right? Even though we don't have the infrastructure for it, he's made a commitment. So what they're trying to do, in my opinion, is horse the price of diesel away up as much as they can, hoping that people will start buying electric cars because they'll be cheaper. But what they seem to forget is that people can't afford to buy these electric cars, and a lot of people don't want them. Do you know, he's not the only person thinking that, that there's a certain advantage at the moment to the green agenda with prices of petrol and diesel being this high, with the Greens sitting around the cabinet table. Eamon's advice to us in the last 24 hours was, oh, drive more slowly, you'll save petrol. Well, maybe you will. But look, look what Tony's saying. I don't, don't, I'm not endorsing what Tony is saying. I'm saying there's quite a few people saying what Tony is saying. Doesn't it suit this agenda now to put us all in electric cars if they keep the price of diesel and petrol sky high? Just throwing it out there. 0818 96 96 96. Today is World Kidney Day. The Irish Kidney Association is really pushing a theme today, or this, this on this day, of early detection. Um, I'm joined by Mark Vesey, who is uh, education officer at UCC uh, Medicine Society, and they have an event to mark World Kidney Day. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Thanks very much for having me. Delighted. Now, World Kidney Day, people whose kidneys start to give up on them at a certain point in life, they could be facing down a very difficult road. And early, early detection is key. Absolutely, yeah. So um, it's estimated that, you know, about 10% of adults will, um, you know, live with chronic kidney disease throughout their life. And that can have a, a major impact on how you live your life. You know, it might require major lifestyle changes. It might require intervention or surgery. And, you know, it can really affect how you live your life. So it's really important to uh, have an early intervention if that's at all possible. Just like every other part of our body, our kidneys get old. Um, so when your kidneys are 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, like any piece of equipment, they've got to be maintained. And as they get older, they develop problems. What what problems can our kidneys develop that we don't even know about until they've gone too far? Well, so I'm a medical student, so I can't tell you all of them. Um, but I know from what I've studied so far that there's a there's a numerous, you know, uh, array of things that can go wrong um, as we get older, you know, um, uh, our blood vessels might kind of get a bit weaker, uh, so that can affect the kidneys. And then just kind of general wear and tear. And there's um, there's various other diseases that, you know, older people and adults are at risk of as they get older. Yeah. Now, you have an event today to mark the day. When and where? So we're holding an event today with the UCC Translational Medicine Society. It's running in uh, UCC's campus in the Brookfield Health Sciences Centre. And it's going to be on at 5 p.m., and it's going to be a great event. So we have two speakers lined up for the event. We have Sheena McDonough, who's the secretary of the Cork branch of the IKA. And Sheena's going to be talking about her experience of um, illness uh, with kidney disease and also her recovery process. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about that. 
And also we have Dr. Sarah Moran uh, coming to speak. She's a consultant nephrologist and she's conducted a lot of research into uh, renal inflammatory disorders. So it's going to be a really great event. Well, good luck with that uh, later on today. And I'm joined by the aforementioned uh, Sheena McDonough. Sheena, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ, and thank you so much for having me on. Delighted to do so. Today is a very significant day for the organisation, but before we talk about that, tell me your own experience. You you have had a, a transplant, haven't you? Oh, yes, absolutely. yes, PJ, I had a transplant. Uh, it's actually 10 years ago. I'm coming up to my, my 10-year transplant anniversary. I was uh, very incredibly fortunate to uh, you know, receive the gift of life. You know, 10 years ago, I had been on, you know, I got sick when I was in my 20s. Uh, it, it affected my pregnancy somewhat. Um, I after that, then I my kidneys recovered. I was never an even keel for a number of years, and subsequently, I was um, you know told by my consultant that you know things are going a little bit downhill, and to um, embrace the idea of transplantation. Which uh, this, this is an awful long story, PJ. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was chronic kidney and, disease you had, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. And um, yeah, no, there are, you know, as you people may be aware, there are different levels of, of, of uh, renal disease. So mine, unfortunately, had gone to, to stage five, which is a total kidney failure. And, you know, how it affected me at that stage was, you know, total fatigue. You know, um, I don't know what the Mark has mentioned there. I was, I was in a bit of a, of a blackout there while you were talking to Mark uh, that, uh, you know, uh, renal disease, you may not feel the symptoms until it's quite advanced. Yeah. So it's one of those kind of hidden things that people may, may not know that they have. So, you know, I had small ch- two small children at the time. I was chronically tired. To me, it was from being, a, you know, a mother yeah. and, you know, that, that raising lifestyle working. And, I, you know, I didn't realise that things had got, um, you know, to such a stage. So the idea of transplantation was put to me. I subsequently, you know, the, the gold standard of transplantation is that you're transplanted while, you know, you still have some kidney function. But yeah. unfortunately for me, that just wasn't an option. So I was put on um, the transplant list in to Beaumont Hospital and I was waiting there. Some people are fortunate that, that they do get um, get called for transplantation quite quickly. But I was actually waiting well over four years. And then all of a sudden, middle of the night, the phone rang and hot foot my husband <laughs> driving like a lunatic up to Dublin. And then, yeah, it was you know, I mean, it was just like night and day, the difference. It was just, you know, a, a fantastic. But the change, like you'd been on dialysis and stuff before that. You'd been doing dialysis overnight yes. at home, hadn't you, and things like that. Yes, yes, did, yeah. Did you ever have to go into the, the hospital the and tie yourself up three times a week, did you? Uh, no, that, that, that was, I was given the, an option. And just because, you know, I was working at the time, a busy lifestyle that I decided to do it at home. But even the fact of doing dialysis home is exhausting itself. There's an awful lot of organization around being um, on, on home dialysis. At the time, hemodialysis at home wasn't an option. It is an option now for some people. And there's a fabulous home therapies uh, department in CUH that look after home therapies patients. And so I, th- that's the route that I decided to go on. And I just, it, it's kind of self-management is what it, it, it ended up having to be. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was it at home for four and a half years and, until oh. I got the call. Yeah. And then that changed your life. But I think the, the, the theme today is, is an important one. And Mark touched on it briefly. I think you said oh, it as well. In the early stages of kidney disease, it hides in yes. plain sight. In, you have oh, no absolutely. idea that it's there. Yeah. And, and no idea, no idea. 
and very often it can go along with uh, uh, you know some other conditions as well too that people may not may not realize you know diabetics are at a very high risk if you've high blood pressure cardiovascular disease you know, if there's a family history of, of, of renal disease um, you know obesity is a huge risk factor as well too so there's an awful lot of risk, risk factors that people may not realize um, you know that go along with renal disease so I think the message that we're trying to get across is if you know if you are in one of these high risk categories, and also the general population that as part of your regular checkup with your doctor, you know, you might mention, you know, what what are my, my kidney numbers? There, there, are, there are two simple tests that your GP can do. One is a urine test. So it will test for the presence of a protein. Mm. And the second one is a blood test. So mm-hmm. based on the numbers coming out of these, your your doctor will make a decision. You may be referred on or, you know, please God, hopefully. You might be fine. Some people, I, I suspect, Sheena would think, because yes, look, would be all right. but I'm go- the message that we're trying to get across is early detection, huge impact yeah. on the outcome. Like some people might think, well, look, I go to the toilet regularly. I go at the right times of the yeah. day. It, it seems to be fine. Everything seems to be going well with the plumbing. But that's not necessarily yeah. all you need to check. Absolutely not. No, because you see, interestingly enough, uh, your kidneys, it, it, it's, they're not only, you know, a kind of a waste management system for your body. They also do other things. They help control your blood pressure. They keep your bones and your heart um, healthy. They also help in the production of red blood cells. So there's an awful lot going on in the kidney that, that people may not realize. So, uh, you know, and that is why, you know, when you get to, to end stage, you know, you are feeling tired. You're feeling the effects of toxins in your body. You know, high blood pressure is an issue and, you know, um, exhaustion. Anybody who's been in, on, on dialysis will know that exhaustion is part. But, your, you know, your red blood cell count goes way down. Yeah. And it's, you know, part of being in dialysis is the management of that. So yeah. it's, it's not only waste, waste uh, you know, that, that, that filter, the super filters, as they call it. It's not only that. There's yeah. an awful lot more that the, kidney, that the kidneys do. Okay. And, and definitely go to your doctor and get it checked and say, look, would yeah. you check my kidney function? Yep. There's a couple of simple yep. tests that we should all be doing. I was only yep, thinking as we speak, Sheena, of a dear old friend of mine who, who told me recently that, that his kidneys, he's in trouble with his kidneys. Now, his doctor is quite mm. confident that he can bring it back under control. Yes. But I, I looked at him and I thought, you look absolutely shattered. And he said, yeah. And I'm... even small changes for that person, you know, and ask to be referred to a renal dietitian. That small changes in your diet, yeah. because, uh, you know, can can help as well, too. Um, I, you know, as part of the Irish Kidney Association, they run a, you know, a Living Well program. And what that is kind of empowering uh, renal patients to, you know, help, help um, you know, take management of, of, their, of their, 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 their chronic illness. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's just kind of the message that, that we're trying to get across yeah. is, Small, um, you know, early detection and then small lifestyle changes, you know, may help. Yeah. But the most important thing is early detection with yeah. your doctor. He, he was confident enough and I wished him well. And I said, do, do what your doctor is, is yeah. telling you. Just briefly before I let yeah. you go. And also, sorry, sorry, PJ, there yeah. just to say, you know, for, for people in that situation who, you know, they, they may have gotten a shock diagnosis, contact the Irish Kidney Association. We have fabulous counsellor as part of the organisation. She's good. amazing. And she would even also put people in contact with local counsellors as well too. So, you know, a diagnosis can be hard, can be difficult, and people, you know, may, may find it hard, you know, to cope. But, you know, you're not alone. You're a patient group out there who are willing to help you. The help, so. is, the help is there if you want good looking. Sheena, yes. before I yes. let you go very briefly, um, th- th- there's, a, there's a story about a, a, a group or a family coming in from Ukraine and I believe one member of the family requires 
help uh, they need to get on dialysis. Right. There's something going on there yes, that you can yes. tell us about, is there? Yeah, well, I suppose, so. you know, we, we want to protect the privacy families. Um, somebody has, you know, contacted us and we've put them in contact with a uh, consent in CUH. So they are being looked after. The public as well, too, have been fantastic. They have, you know, come forward with help for the family. Unfortunately, um, you know, this person has been on dialysis for a number of years and uh, they are arriving in the country tomorrow. And they, you know, we're, we're doing our best as an, as an organization to help look after them. Yeah, so, great. But as I the say, great Dr. Plant, I think, is intervening. Yes, yes, yeah. he's just, he's anybody who knows Dr. Plant, he's just he's a great guy. Fantastic. He's so, a great he's guy. Into, he is, yeah, he's, yeah, and he's going to help with the family. This day. You're looking for a place for them to stay yeah. or to rent and stuff like that? Yeah, we we know we have a couple of feeders out there, so right. hopefully we'll get them we'll get them sorted. All right. It's yes. great to get, be able to get, give that help to people when they come. Sheena McDonough, uh, thank you very much. And before that, Mark Vesey from UCC Medical Society. Today's Irish Kidney Day or World Kidney Day, and this message they have is: this thing can hide. It can hide and just emerge suddenly when it's advanced. So get yourself checked. Do the tests. Ask your doctor. Check out my kidneys, will you? Because you only get one pair of them and they're kind of important and they start working when you're born and they don't stop working until you stop working. Or at least they're not supposed to. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we just had uh, an update, or we had an update overnight from the Cork Humanitarian in Aid Ireland, that's Katrina and Christy headed off. They're hoping to be in uh, Poland tomorrow. Uh, they rested in Charlois for a few hours and they're then driving on. Everyone's in good form and uh, really loving all the messages from back home. The hope is that they will be in Poland tomorrow. And indeed, we will talk to them as soon as we can get a hold of them uh, once they get to the other end. So I'm very happy to... Um, to announce that they're on their way and progressing well. Now, in the Serta in Glownton, all four pumps are out of diesel. The fuel prices are crazy, but that's no excuse to fall for half-baked conspiracies that the Greens are trying to push everyone into EVs. Fuel prices are high globally. This isn't just Eamon Ryan or the Irish government. People need to calm the emotions and try to see problems where they aren't. Fuel prices in Holland are almost 250 a litre. And you're absolutely correct in that. And I said that was just a theory that I had heard around there. But what is a fact, an inscrutable fact, is that over half the cost of every litre of diesel, over half the cost, is taken up in taxes and excise and duties. So we're giving an awful lot of money to the government every time we put fuel in our car. And there's a bit more leeway, one would think, that could be taken. And yesterday they announced a cut of 20 cents in excise duty on petrol. It was very, very welcome. But guess what? On all the four courts, it's not worth a cent to us. In most of them. Not worth a cent. 
207 for diesel in Bailnablaw. Six miles west in Copine, 184. Shop around. It's hard to shop around if you drive it on the vapours, but point taken. 0818-969696. Steps Engineers Week is taking place all this week until Friday. It's a major national... Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Celebration of engineering in the community. Sonia Matthews, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good. Engineering, you're passionate about it. Are you an actual engineer? (laughs) In my former life, um, I uh, graduated uh, in applied physics and uh, maths uh, and instrumentation a long, long time ago. Um, But I got into youth work through drama then. Um, And at the moment, I'm able to combine my passion of youth work, engineering, and uh, with a dramatic flair to the young people nationwide to, um, I suppose, to encourage them into engineering and to explore it. Yeah, There's a kind of a thing, isn't there, that, look, uh, engineering involves maths and science, and maths is hard. <laughs> Well, you know what? A lot of young people do find maths difficult in uh, secondary school. Uh, But the thing is, is that uh, maths in secondary school explores all types of mathematics. Um, But when you go into college and specialise in engineering, you're only doing the mathematics for the engineering discipline that you're studying. So it makes more sense for young people. Um, and yeah, you have to like maths a bit to be an uh, to be an engineer. Um, but in different colleges that young people would attend, they get loads of help in maths in first year. 
And uh, so you don't have to be an honours math student to, student to do engineering. Yeah. Now, there's engineering all mm. around us. and Absolutely. We don't even realise how much of it is there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you, you have, like, engi- automotive engineers straight away. You get into your car to go to school in the morning and you have many engineers involved in actually creating your car um, from mechanical to electrical to electronic uh, to computer science engineers as well for your GPS systems. So there's um, many disciplines involved in in, in um, so many different technologies that we see around us. Um, and I was talking to a young person who uh, designs roller coasters for a living, wow. and they're a mechanical engineer. So <laughs> that's really cool. Um, and engineers get involved in space as well. So uh, the reason why we have rockets is because engineers have designed them. Uh, and built them, yeah. um, and satellites for our GPS as well. Now, you you, you work with uh, Feroiga uh, in the yes. Youth Engineering Solutions, the YES programme. Tell me about that. Yes, yeah, so that was uh, started uh, during the pandemic two years ago, um, and it was uh, based on a pilot programme that happened in Ballinine in West Cork. Um, and so our... Um, the aim of our programme is to introduce young people between the ages of 10 and 18 to engineering and engineering activities. So they get to look around their world and look, find problems and then find engineering solutions to those problems. So we've a lot of inventors now around Ireland because of this programme. And it's lovely to introduce them to the ideas of engineering because it has a lot of transferable skills. So like computational thinking, uh, teamwork, problem solving is a big one, uh, IT skills. So there's a lot of advantages of getting involved in engineering activities in itself, mm. even if you don't pursue it as, as a career. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, getting young people interested and how important it is. Mm. Is it fair to say that, and the roller coaster thing that was was a good reference, like, they don't actually realise, a lot of them, just how much engineering is until you show them. That's exactly it. And it's a very scary word. Like, they think that a lot of young people and adults think that engineering is only for brain boxes and it's right. too big of a concept to nail down for people. Um, so we're just trying to de- demystify it in a fun and interactive way. Yeah. If you look at it, actually... Um, and the the Formula One season is back with us next weekend, yes. and the the, yeah. the following of Formula young people. I, I was I'm, I'm amazed at the number of young people who are really really into Formula One in the last year or two, and the amount of engineering involved in Formula One. Absolutely, like um, and. The thing is, is that top engineers get involved in in in, um, in that race in Formula One, yeah, because they have to look at statistics. Obviously, they have to design um, the fastest cars and the safest cars, so they look at that, and then um, they look at the statistics and the forces involved in uh, a car going around the track and the wear on the tire, everything like that. So there's so much that goes into it, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's exciting, and it's an exciting job. Yeah. And uh, we're very lucky in Ireland because we have uh, we uh, our graduates of engineering are of high quality mm-hmm. and of high demand worldwide. There are Irish engineers the, in the four corners of the world. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's an employee's market. Like they can write their own ticket because we have a huge shortfall worldwide of engineers. Mm. Um, so we're trying to encourage young people to go into a career that you'll actually get an amazing job from and that won't be boring and it'll change every day. Mm. Um, yeah. If people are interested in getting involved in the Faroega programme, it's open to every young person, isn't it? Every young person, every young person. And the easiest way to get involved, it really is to join your local Freuge club or project um, or to talk to your school. Uh, We have a lot of schools now involved in the S project as well. Um, so if you just talk to your school and if they're involved, great. And if not, they can contact me and we can set the schools up. Mm. Um, there's many advantages of us. We've got a lot of funding to help with um uh, schools and projects to do certain activities to go and visit engineering uh, businesses and uh, third level institutions so there's an awful lot involved in that um, and yeah and also uh, for parents uh, to check out our social media as well because we've got a lot of uh, challenges that we do throughout the year mm. that young people can take part in and yep. they get free kits delivered to their door as well in yeah. some of them. Yeah. You, so have, you, have, you have videos and like, I love the one, a crane building workshop. Now you look around, right? Look out, I mean, look, looking out here, the studio of uh, the window studio one and straight away I can see one, two, three cranes in the distance. Yeah. They have to be built. Yeah. They have to be driven. They have to be constructed and moved around. That's all really cool work. And that's engineering. Yeah. That's engineering. That's engineering. And last Saturday, uh, there was around, I think there was around 25 young people learned how to build a crane and how it worked. So they were looking at levers and pulleys and uh, forces and loads of physics stuff that they didn't even realize they were learning. Yeah. Um, so they great fun. Great fun. Good. All right. You're hopefully training many of the engineers of the future, Sonia. Sonia Matthews from Feroiga. Sonia.Matthews at Feroiga.ie is her email. It's Sonia with a Y. Sonia.Matthews at Feroiga.ie to find out more about their YES program. They say engineering is for everyone. I did a bit of it. I did. I did a bit of it. I used to call myself a sound engineer for a few years. Hey, no one was taking the title of me. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Access all areas on Corks ninety six FM. Your guide to nightlife on Lee Side. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Corks Entertainment. Molly O'Mahony has spent much of the last decade writing and performing with art folk group Mongoose. The West Cork native is returning home with two shows coming up at the Unicultura in Ballyvorney on March 25th and two days later at Levis's of Ballydehob with tickets on sale from the venues. Access all areas. Love is a Stranger is a new one-day festival coming up at the Grain Store Ballymaloo taking place on Saturday 19th of March. It features Conor O'Brien from Villagers, Peter Broderick, Anna Mika, Junior Brother, Claire Sands and many more. Tickets are on sale now. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, exhibition or gig coming up or any live streaming events by email us on AAA at 96fm.ie.
Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. And we were listening to this in the office yesterday and thinking, do you know what? These people might be onto something. Do you know the way Ed Sheeran is in the news at the moment for all the wrong reasons? Uh, he's being sued for a copyright breach and it is where it is. It's in the courts and all that. But he's not the only one in this spot of bother. Dua Lipa, that song, Levitating. It's one of the big, big, big hits the last couple of years. Big song. Can't get out your head kind of thing. Um, she's in trouble now because a band called the Article Sound System. No, I haven't heard of them either. They're a reggae band from Florida. They got onto the solicitor last week and they filed a lawsuit against Dua Lipa over levitating, claiming that she'd ripped off their song called Live Your Life. Let's see. Here we go. Could they be onto something there, I wonder? So it's Levitating is the song we all know, but they say she ripped off Live Your Life. So she gets a letter from their solicitor, right? And she's thinking what to do with it. Then she gets another letter from a solicitor. Uh, And this is a a letter from someone called Miguel... Oh, Miguel Bose. Miguel Bose. The who? No, I don't know who any of these people are. Miguel Bose, who reckons that... Dua Lipa also pinched their song called Don Diablo. Hang on. I had a premonition that we fell into a rhythm where the music don't stop for life. Don Diablo se ha escapado, tú no sabes la que ha armado, ten cuidado, yo lo digo por sí. Anda por rincones y se esconde en los cajones de la presa que decida conseguir. Now, their one is faster, but... I had a premonition that we fell into a rhythm where the music don't stop for life. Son Diablo se ha escapado, tú no sabes la que ha armado, ten cuidado, yo lo digo por sí. Anda por rincones y se esconde en los cajones de la presa que decida conseguir. So she's sitting there with two solicitor's letters in front of her morning coffee. And she gets another one. Another solicitor's letter. This is from someone called... Corey Day. Who? Corey Day. Who reckons that she ripped off a wiggle and a giggle. If you want to run away with me, I know a galaxy and I can take you for a ride. I was walking down the street when I saw the tattoo soldier boy wink a wink a winking at me. He said, I'd like to make a date. I said, so sorry, but his lady said, what's the matter, baby? Ain't you free? I'm not too sure which song I prefer. If you want to I think Dua Lipa's got a bit of explaining to do. What do you think? 
0818969. Yes, I know, it's very trivial, and there's a war on, and it's about six quid for a litre of I know. But you know what? There's some fun out there, too. People were asking me there the other day about young uh, Noel Landers, what happened to him at the Amateur World Snooker Championships in Doha. Noel did quite well, actually. Uh, he won all of his group matches. All three of his group matches. He won them all, which meant he qualified quite handy for the last 32 of a competition. Unfortunately, the last 32 didn't go so well. And Noel was beaten 4-1 in his last 32 match. But he is in the last 32 in the world in amateur snooker. And it's a big competition and a huge field. So congratulations to Noel Landers. Out of the world amateur, but got out in the last 32. 0818969696. Kate Shanahan, I spent half an hour this morning looking at your TikTok videos and laughing. I had great fun. Do you know the ones, <laughs> do you know the ones I love? Are the ones where you go yes. from mucking out hay, right, to flipping, yeah. flipping your head and you're ready for party and prosecco. I love them. <laughs> so that's the right way to be. <laughs> <laughs> now it takes a bit longer than that, I guess. I wish, yeah, I wish it took that um, that short length of time to get ready after being on the farm and coming in and getting ready for a night out, but yeah, it doesn't. Where do you farm and when did you start doing TikTok and why did you start doing TikTok? Uh, so I'm from West Cork. I'm from um, just outside Clonakilty direction. Um, I'm farming with my my dad and my brothers. We're just a family farm, really. And um, in the height of lockdown last January... Um, my brother got COVID and the whole house we were in lockdown and back then, you know, it was very, very strict and we were all in the heaps of fighting and depression and couldn't step outside the door. Um, but luckily enough, we live on a farm, so I was able to go out. We were all doing our normal jobs and, um, just kind of boredom took over and I said, I'd, you know, make a few videos, collage videos, different things of just footage I had on my phone already and um, your people loved it. You know, they loved seeing the regular uh, day-to-day farming. They loved seeing what I was doing. Mm. And um, sure, kind of took off from there, really. You know, I didn't expect 12 months ago that I'd be where I am now. Because it's huge. <clears throat> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it this morning, and you've got how many have you got now? You have 108,000 followers. And your videos do, yeah. have had 4.3 million lives, million likes. Like, yeah. <laughs> from just outside Clon I know. in West Cork. I That's, know, a little farm, yeah, in the middle of nowhere. And it's particularly <laughs> the ones with the cute animals, I think, that people love as well. Yeah, like people love, but people love seeing, um, yeah, they love seeing the animals. They love seeing, because we're mainly, we have sheep and cow, cattle, but we're mainly, I, I love the sheep. I love the lambing. That's what we're doing at the moment. So there's all little baby lambs around the place and people just seem to love, love lambs. Mm. To make up, do you have to set up those videos or do they just happen naturally? These weird, beautiful moments that you capture? Um, No, they just happen naturally. And I suppose my phone is always in the pocket and if anything happens, I'll whip it out and get a quick little video. But I think that's why people love my TikTok because I try to just keep it 
candid, I suppose, are, you know, short clips or funny clips and there's no editing or there's no fancy filters or anything. It's just mm. real life, um, small time farming. So, um, yeah, people seem to love it and it really took off. So it's great. Mm. Now, now you are studying farming and to qualify as a fully fledged farmer, this yeah. isn't, as I said, this isn't a phase you're going through. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose. Um, well, I am a, I'm a qualified and working social care worker first. And um, I suppose when the lockdown hit, I was at home for two weeks straight and um, I kind of realised how much I did love the outdoors and I loved the farming and it kind of brought me back to it. I must mm. say now out of everything COVID gave everyone, it gave me that. And um, I went back to um, Ag College in September. So I'm currently down in Dara College in Clonakilty. And so I'm trying to get my green cert there. Mm. And um, so that hopefully in, I'm halfway through it there now and I'll be able to get my own, um, register my own name as a farmer and get my own animals in. So it'd be great. And how do you fit in teaching Irish dancing into all this? I know, yeah. I don't, do I don't really know myself. I mean, between the <laughs> cattle, the sheep, the hay, the quick change, the yeah. prosecco, the parties, the Irish dancing, <laughs> and 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 the social care work. Do you ever sleep? Well, you only live once, you know. <laughs> You're making really, sure yeah. of it. <laughs> I'm pushing my limits. Yeah. So, um, like it's grand. The social care, I kind of do. I'm I work long hours in that, so I only do maybe the three kind of. But I'm I'm there for three days full time, mm. and then uh, the Irish dancing then is kind of you know the evenings after school, and I only do it in the locality, so it's not too bad for me. You know I can a quick drive and I'm there for you know two or three hours teaching and then home again. So the rest of the time then during the week is spent on the farm. So you know it, it all it all kind of works together. I know it's a lot, but it, yeah, I'm used to it now. I suppose you mentioned lambing and and it is really one of the nicest times of the year to be on a farm but there's another reason why and I just know are you like me this this the mornings at this time of the year the early mornings are just beautiful they are yeah and that's you know that's kind of the busiest really a lot of thankfully a lot of them decide to wait until the early morning you know from kind of 6am onwards that's when they decide to um start lambing so thankfully you know to well you will get the odd one in the middle of the night or just as you go to bed they decide to start but um early mornings definitely is a busy time on the farm between you have you could have a few lambing in one corner you have to feed the rest and you have to check everything around the fields to make sure everything's okay after the night before and Mm. Um, so it is all go here, but we're lucky because we are all interested. So it's a right um, family operation. Do you lamb them yourself, or would you occasionally have to call in the vet? Or uh, no, yeah, majority. I think in the last, the last this whole season, we've only had the vet once, Great. Um, and that that would have been very very last minute call, last you know last resort. But yeah. um, generally, yeah, no. Whoever's here, and if there's something lambing, they'll work away themselves. Right. Depending on myself, my dad, or my brothers. So and the last one, are there? Do you, do you know if there's many young women like you, Katie, stuck in farming around the country and and really loving it as much as you do? Oh, there's plenty of them, and to be honest, it wasn't until 
I joined the whole kind of agriculture side to social media. Like it's a whole other world. You have your normal social media and then you have agri social media. And I realized that there is loads of girls, loads of young girls, loads of women farming. There's I'm fr- I've made so many new friends, um, girls all over the country, all over the world, England, mm-hmm. America that are absolutely stuck in when it comes to farming. Some of them own their own farms or in partnerships. Um, So it's definitely, definitely growing in numbers. And um, And that's great to hear. Which is a great thing to see. Yeah. And, you know, I always get comments. There's a whole new generation of farmers and young female farmers coming. Brilliant. And any any more of them are listening to us and they'd like to get in touch, we'd be delighted to talk to them. Katie, good luck with everything. Good luck with the farming. Good luck with the the Irish dancing. Good luck with the the social care. Busy. And good luck with the Prosecco. Good night. Good luck, Katie. And uh, lovely talking to you. That's Katie Shanahan. 0818-969696. Her stuff is all over TikTok. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 with Trevor and the team all powered by TalkSport live coverage this weekend of Brighton against Liverpool that's at 12.30 Saturday and Man U against Tottenham at 5.30 on the app or at 96fm.ie is the Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or indeed go to 96fm.ie we had a message which I'll read later not now I have to try and get my head around it we had a message from a person describing themselves as a rural forecourt owner it would be lovely if we could actually talk to you uh, and, and you could go through it with me and I'll give you an opportunity to explain where you're coming from uh, with regard to the cost of petrol and the changes in the last 24 hours I'd, I'd like to do that but if not I'll read your message in the fullness of time also later this hour if you ever wondered where people go after they finish their time on the 96 FM street fleet I'm Ellen Collin and these are the amazing spatans of Europe you remember Ellen with the street fleet yeah that's that's what she's doing now seriously glamorous but first of all I want to discuss the subject of confidence with a man who has written a book called How Confidence Works, The New Science of Self-Belief, Why Some People Learn It and Others Don't. And I'm thinking about the word confidence and the commodity that is confidence and how some people have very confident and some people are not. And how confidence changes, I think, with situation. As in, put me in a certain set of circumstances and I'm as confident as the day is long. Put me in another and my confidence is gone out the top of my head. I have no idea where to start. So is confidence a a thing that I can develop and learn? 
is it is it something that my body develops neurologically or neuroscientific what is it let's talk about it with professor ian robertson uh, who is a, a neuroscientist and uh, mind expert and all these and you've written this book professor robertson good morning Start with that. Good morning. What is confidence? Is it a commodity? Is it a real thing you can bottle? Or what is it? That's a great question. Let me say, first of all, what it's not. It's not self-esteem. Self-esteem is an evaluation of yourself, of your ego. And it's not optimism, which is a belief that things will turn out well. Um, Confidence is a belief that you can do something. Uh, so it's it's the, the critical thing about confidence is it's linked to action. And so confidence is domain specific. So you can be confident in sport, but not in social relationships, for instance. You can be yeah. confident academically. So it's not a kind of general purpose quality you have. It's something that's linked to specific categories of action. Now, in terms of what it is, it's actually a whole set of habits and beliefs and um uh, that, that we learn, there may be certain um, inherited differences in how likely we are to be confident, but an awful lot of it's to do with learning. Um, and the, the, the critical secret sauce of, of confidence is this. Um, if you believe you can do something, that's the first half of the confidence bridge, can do. And then if you believe that if you do that, then the outcome you want will happen. That's the can happen. If you have these two strands to the bridge, your brain responds to that predicted successful outcome as if you'd actually done it. So your brain gives a little tick box of success. And when your brain does that, it generates important activity in a a part of the brain called the reward network, Mm -hmm. deep in the middle of the brain which is dopamine fueled. It's the, it's the same network that's hijacked by compulsive gambling, by drugs. Wow. Um, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a critical part of, of, of the, uh, uh, the things that make us get up in the morning and do stuff. This, this and, incredible and thing constant, that sits inside our skull, this incredible yeah, machine yeah. that sits in there, creating yeah. millions and millions of chemical and electrical reactions every day of our lives. It creates this confidence. Yes. So it, it 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 so when we believe we can do something, so the thought is incredibly important. The belief is central to this. The, the belief, I can do that. I can start taking exercise. That's the can can I can do. I believe if I do that, I can lose weight and become healthier. That's the can happen. Once you have these two beliefs in place, your brain. Um, increases its dopamine activity in this reward network, which lifts your mood. It's a mini antidepressant. It lowers your anxiety. So you're not getting the kind of anxiety that can disrupt your ability to perform. And most importantly of all, it increases your motivation. So you're more likely to do the thing Mm. that you believe you can do. And then when you do it and you're successful, you get the double whammy. So that's the critical thing about confidence is it's linked to action, makes it more likely that you will do stuff and then get repeated success experiences. And of course, the greatest source of success is past success and the greatest source of confidence is success. Yeah. And it grows itself. And once once you're you mentioned it being situation critical, which I think that was probably a much better way to express what I was trying to express in that put me in into a certain set of circumstances. 
and I'll just yeah. say, okay, bring it on, let's do this. Take me into the next room, into another set of circumstances, and I want to leave. Yeah. How's the, exactly. wh- what's going on there? Well, um, when, <laughs> when we're doing something that... Um, well, can maybe can I give you an example from golf on that? Can I do? Can yes, I do that? Yes, golf is a great example. I've got time to tell you that. You're speaking so to an I, absolutely lousy golfer, so so you know. Yeah, well, I don't play golf at all, but it's a great source of 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 examples. Sure. So, Porig Harrington was on the cusp of the seventeenth hole, um, the cusp of winning the British Open in Carnoustie. I think it was two thousand and seven or eight. I can't remember which. And um, he was absolutely in the flow, leading the. Pack and he could. He said, "I was just kind of anticipating the claret jug. I could see this culmination of my career." And he said, "Something came into my head at the top of the swing, and as, as I teed off in the 17th hole, and I hit the ball, and it went into the Barry Burn, into the river." He said he composed himself quite well, went up, took a second stroke, back into the river. And he describes complete sense of humiliation, embarrassment, thinking, God, this is me finished. This is terrible in front of millions of people. All my hopes or anticipated victory has gone. A complete sense of failure. Now, you might think there, right, his confidence was shot, except he had a very, very smart caddy, Ronan Flood. And Ronan, as they walked up to take the second penalty shot, just said to him this, you are the best chipper and putter in the world. You are the best chipper and putter in the world. You are the best chipper and putter in the world. Like a robot, like a hypnotist. And uh, Harrington said, if I'd had my club in my hand, I would have hit him with it. He was so annoyed. But this, but, but this, <laughs> I by the time, think I've heard yeah. Pouch telling this story. Yeah. And well, by, the time they, by the time they reached the, the penalty shot, he chipped beautifully and putted beautifully. Now, that's not the end of the story. So later that night, after all, because he went on to win the playoff and beat Sergio Garcia and win the, 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 the Claret Jug. Hours later, after all the celebrations and the press interviews and everything, they finally meet again, Flood and Pat Harrington, and they're in the limo going back to the hotel. Harrington turns to Flood and says, you know, Ronan, you saved my bacon out there. When I hit that second shot into the river, I didn't think I had a chance. And he saw that Flood was laughing. He said, why are you laughing? And Flood said, I didn't think you had a chance either. So what what Flood was showing was he was just saying the words. He was going through, he was faking it, (laughs) but creating a state of confidence about a very limited set of actions, that is chipping and putting. So you ask me what's going on when you go into a different room where you don't, don't have the confidence at all. That's because of your attention, what your attention is on. What Flood did was essentially hack into the software of Harrington's brain and get him only thinking about chipping and putting, not about big victory or big failure. All his, 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 so, so his mind was only full of thoughts and past memories that were associated with success because he was one of the best chippers and putters yeah, in the world. Yeah. And so in his mind, for these critical moments of taking the next shot, there were no big thoughts and no frightening thoughts because he, he had controlled his attention using language with the help of Ronan Flood. So, and because of that, he yeah. created a state, 
he changed the state of his brain so that um, his brain functions were not disrupted by the anxiety or the excitement that goes with big success or big failure. His His attention was just on the next few seconds of that stroke. And his memory systems were comforting him with past memories of just that. And that's what happens to you, uh, PJ, when you go into the, the room where you, you're doing the thing that you've done lots of times before, your memory and your attention systems have switched on in such a way to provide you with memories and thoughts and ways of uh, and perceptions of the world that create this state of confidence. <laughs> and so, but you go into the next room, you don't have such memories, you don't have such past experiences, your attention is all over the place looking for signs of criticism or disapproval or yeah. failure, and that disrupts your brain function. So what I'm thinking you're suggesting to me, Professor, is that when I go into that room and I just want to leave, I don't have a choice, I have have to stay. Are you saying to me that I should look for something within those circumstances that I know I am good at and start there? Exactly. 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 Can I give you another example? Yes, please Can do. I give you another example from my own past. So <clears throat> I do a lot of speaking at academic and other conferences and I don't really get anxious unless it's a completely new topic I'm doing. But when I first embarked in my academic life, I was really anxious, but the first time I presented my PhD work to a, an audience of eminent um, scholars from you know around the world, and I, I was terrified and um, not unsure about the you know the the, the, the the quality of the work that I was presenting because it was the first time I presented it. And I remember there was one prominent, very famous uh, neuroscientist sitting in the front row. And I noticed she was frowning as I spoke. My attention could not escape from that woman. I focused on her the entire time of my talk. And the more I focused on her, the more I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm, this is rubbish I'm presenting. She thinks I'm an idiot. This is no good, my career. And, of course, so I, it sent me into a spiral of anxiety. So I ended up getting a very poor presentation, you know, muffing my lines, getting mixed up because I had too much anxiety and it was interfering with my brain function. What I didn't know then and what I would know if I was doing the same now is that what that's a classic part of the confidence sapping anxiety cycle that it biases your attention to look if you if you're if you're lacking confidence your brain is looking for signs of threat anticipating punishment so my 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 eyes ignored all the other people in the room who were looking moderately interested yeah. or at least not frowning but i fed my brain with anxiety by the way the attention was zooming in on that person. So that when you say, yes, in your room, what you do is, first of all, you, you feed, you, you consciously try and feed your brain positive um, evidence of, of, of positive events, not negative ones, not of criticism. Focus on the person who's smiling at you, not on the person who's frowning at you. Yeah. Um, and the other thing to say about that situation is um, do the stuff in spite of feeling anxious. One of the great sources of confidence is mastering adversity, is doing the stuff in spite of these negative feelings. And that, if you get through, if you just make yourself do the thing in spite of feeling anxious, that will give you a sense of mastery, of control over the anxiety. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. And the more you do that, the more you can do it. One of the great one of the great problems with people who are chronically anxious, and this happens across the world, is they do less stuff of all sorts of stuff. Why? Because anxiety is part of our brain's avoidance system. It is designed to keep us out of danger. And so if we're in an anxious frame of mind, we tend to pull back. We, we, we do less socially, work-wise, uh, hobbies, everything. We, anxious people do less stuff because their brain's in a state of avoidance, yeah. uh, anticipation. And so if you can just, one of the ways of breaking that is to, is to realize that you are not your anxiety. Your anxiety is a set of rather amorphous symptoms in your, 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 your body that actually could be excitement or could be anger. They only become anxiety because of the label you're putting on. The very way to tackle your anxiety is to start doing the things your anxiety is telling you you can't. Precisely. Now, I'll just say one caveat to that. Yeah. (laughs) You're frightened. Supposing you're very anxious about public speaking. You don't then go and book to speak to 300 people <laughs> as, <laughs> no. as a first step. Start with the tiny have, thing. This is, there's a lot, of, there's a lot have, of eating, yeah. sorry, sorry, Ian, there's a lot of eating elephants yeah. going on here, one bite at a time. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You have to set, the critical thing about confidence is setting goals for yourself that stretch you a bit, but they're not too difficult. There's a sweet spot for goals like Goldilocks, not too difficult and not too easy, just that stretch you a little bit. And one person's, and it's individual, it's nothing to do with other people. Your goal might be just to make it out of the house around the corner for a three-minute walk. That's fine. If that goal stretches you a little bit, that's what you need to do. Good. And then you gradually build up your goals in that way towards eating the elephant. It's, it's very much an individual thing. I want to focus, if I could, for a moment to, to, or two yeah. on, on children, uh, Professor, because a lot of my listeners yeah. would be the parents of, of young children. And yes. I think we're trying yes. to teach children to be confident in a world that is slowly going crazy. How do we do that? Yeah. Or has maybe gone crazy. How do we do that? Well, I mean, most of the world is not crazy. And the thing is, we get our attention is obviously focused on the terrible things that are happening. But most in most of the world, these terrible things are not happening. So you have to be careful not to feed your brain too much with the, 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 the bad things. You have to try and achieve a balance. Um, so for children, you have to, you know, you have to explain there have been bad, there have been wars in the past, there have been threats, but human beings have the incredible ability, A, to adapt, B, to recover, and C, to solve problems. That's what confidence does as collective confidence. Humanity has been incredible. We've lengthened our lives threefold in the course of 100 years. We have, and not just in the rich countries, also in the poorer countries, we've extended lives. We're an amazing species, what we've achieved, and we can continue to achieve that. So we mustn't, we must have confidence collectively that we can embrace these problems in spite of these setbacks. But the second thing I would say about children is, is is to make them understand that um, the link between action and, and not to uh, between action and confidence and not to be helicopter parents not to not to sh- over shield them not to over organize them to allow them the experience of doing stuff themselves mm-hmm. so for example 
Uh, for example, people who, kids who have a, a Saturday job end up more emotionally robust than kids who have never had a Saturday job. Kids who have, kids who have completely had adversity-free young lives and, and adolescence, the golden boys and girls who have never had anything going wrong for them in the family, financially, academically, sporting, just the golden boys and girls. And then they enter the workplace in early adulthood and they are more emotionally vulnerable than the kids and adolescents who have had some moderate degree of adversity to cope with. Why? Because moderate adversity is a form of psychological vaccination that teaches you that, yes, there are times when you feel anxious and you feel down and you feel defeated, but these pass. These are not you. They don't define you. So, if you've never had that experience and you enter young adulthood, the first time things go haywire in your job or someone criticizes you or you fail, there can you can think, oh, my God, maybe I'm not the golden boy or girl that I thought I was. And, and that that's, makes you very vulnerable emotionally. So if you, as a parent, don't let your children, for want of a better expression, fall on their arse now and again... You're actually yeah. not tre- teaching them properly for living no. life. No, one one of the great things um, for children, you know, for the, particularly in adolescence, is rubbing up against the, you know, the the the, the, the roughness of life. Particularly kids that maybe don't have any roughness at home, with a you know doing a Saturday job or or, or a part time job in the summer or something like that. Just getting. Getting a, you know, there'll be there'll be people who, you know, people if kids are coming from a very privileged background, you know, they might rub up against people who resent them. They might get, they might experience interactions that they didn't haven't experienced in school. That is really good for them. And and so the the other thing is, if you know, if kids are you know, obviously bullying is a terrible terrible thing. Um, and but you, 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 bullying happens in all schools uh, and all kids experiencing it sometime. The important thing is to is to, is, is to teach kids to be confident about not catastrophizing about the bullying, not withdrawing, but but understanding it and and having the confidence to if they're being bullied by one group to move to a different group and not, yeah. not to internalize uh, these uh, feelings and, uh, of, 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 uh, and to start feeling there's something wrong with them. Because mm. one of the great sources of lack of confidence is what we call the great psychologist Carl Dweck is, is, is fixed theories about your abilities. I am, you know, my intelligence is fixed by genetically or by, by upbringing or my personality or my emotions are, 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 are Controlled by factors outside of my control, like my genetics or my inheritance. That's a very, very vulnerable belief, and it's a wrong belief because okay. none of our qualities are, are determined completely genetically, but like that. But if the trouble is then, if you believe that your intellect is something that you've been endowed with, even if you've been told you're really smart as a kid, and then the first exam you fail, that's a huge threat to your ego, and you you don't learn from the failure. Mm. Whereas a kid who realizes that their their abilities are partly okay, maybe partly inherited, but they're also an awful lot to do with effort and luck and teaching. They 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 learn from failure much better than the kids who have this big fixed theory. And the same is true for emotional uh, emotional functioning. So, for instance, kids 
kids, teenagers who have a fixed theory about their personalities who think, oh, this is who I am. This is what I am. I was born this way. And then they get rejected by a group in school. They're much more likely to say, oh, that just proves that I'm not. Mm-hmm. And they withdraw. And their, and their isolation becomes worse. Whereas the kids who have a, a more accurate theory about themselves who say, look, yeah, okay, I'm, I've partly I've inherited these tendencies, but also it's a matter of who you interact with, the decisions you make, what you choose. They're much more likely to say if they're expelled from a group, ah, that was a, they were a horrible bunch. I'll try and find another one. They're, They'll they're, take more they're action. Lost. They're, they're lost. Yeah. Professor, I, yeah. I, I sense we may speak again because I could stay here all day if I had the time listening to you. And I, we, I, I sense yeah. we may speak again, but briefly, before I let you go, Creative Brain Week next week, what yes. is it? So Creative Brain Week, um, this is the Global Brain Health Institute at Trinity College in Dublin with its partners in University of California, San Francisco. We believe that the the brain is one of the greatest source of our health and our well-being and our economy. And we believe that cre- the creativity to be creative is a critical capacity for Ireland and for the world and for solving the problems. So we are celebrating the interface between creativity neuroscience, health, inequity, economies and technologies. It's a celebration of the brain and the brain's capacity to dream up new ideas that we can then act on. And it's everything from creativity in babies to creativity in old age and creativity in industry. I really recommend, if you, if you go on to search for Creative Brain Week, you'll find it is online for five days as well as in person Fantastic. in Trinity College, Dublin. Fabulous. Listen, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. As I say, I, I sense we may speak again because I could spend the day here. Uh, Professor Ian Robertson, a psychologist, neuroscientist and author of the book called How Confidence Works, The New Science of Self-Belief, Why Some People Learn It and Others Don't. Thank you for being with us on The Opinion Line, Professor Robertson. 0818 96 96 96. There are some times when you just sit back after doing an interview like that and you go, what an interesting man. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Corks 96 FM wants to send you and a friend to the biggest fight of all time in women's boxing. Katie Taylor takes on Amanda Serrano for the women's lightweight world title at Madison Square Garden. And you could be there. It's just a TKO. Listen weekdays at 8.15, 2.15 and 5.15. To hear the knockout hits. The knockout hits. When you have all three, text or WhatsApp the big drive home for your chance to qualify. Flights, accommodation, spending money and tickets to Taylor versus Serrano on April 30th in New York. It's just a TKO. With no DC cars Blackpool. Put your trust in the reward-winning after-sales team with a Skoda service at noldc.com. Listen and win from Monday. Only on Cork's 96FM. Answering the question, where do people go when they leave the 96FM street fleet? In the 17th and 18th centuries, wealthy British families used to send young men to Europe to what would become known as the Grand Tour. They used to cross the English Channel, visit cultural and artistic hotspots, and they also visited the thermal towns to take the waters in hopes they could come back feeling healthier in body and mind. Did it work? 
Well, I'm about to find out as I embark on my own grand tour. I'm delving into exquisite pools, getting a little too close to boiling hot springs, having a soak in a king's bathtub, and learning why this spa needs over 500 toilets very close by. I'm Ellen Collin. With and the Street Fleet the on Cork's 96 FM. I remember those days, Ellen. Oh my God! And when I did that at the, end, I said I could hear it at the end. I'm Anna Collin with the Street Feel on Cork's ninety six FM. Now I only, <laughs> you only have a couple of minutes because you're on the deck of a cruise liner. You, 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 you lucky oh, thing. Come here to me. I know this is mad. I know. I don't want to go back. You were it only here the mad. other day. <laughs> I know. I know. It is a bit mad. I know. I can't believe it myself, to be honest. And I don't want to go back to reality. <laughs> what happened? So you went from the street fleet and now you're on the deck of a cruise liner. There's been a few years in between. What happened? There has. Oh, where do I begin? Oh, God. OK, so I'm actually I was asked to go on a press trip. It was very last minute, but they were like, listen, we have the world's largest cruise ship. Wonder of the seas, it's called. Would you be willing to go on it just to do a press trip, just to write about it and you know, maybe come here for a TV show later down the line. So I was like, of course, like, it would be my pleasure. How much do you <laughs> so, want me to pay you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm currently in the Bahamas on the world's largest cruise ship and it's five times the size of the Titanic. It's incredible. Like I still haven't explored the whole thing. There's like 19 restaurants 20 swimming pools, 11 bars, an ice rink, a casino on it. It's like a city on the water. I don't know how we're staying. Wonder of the seas. (laughs) Wonder of the seas, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. So we're in the Bahamas today and, yeah, we stopped off. We left from Miami on Thursday last week and we went to Puerto Rico. We went to Haiti and today we're in Cocoa Bay. Nice. So it's a whole, yeah. And oh, the the spa towns of Europe, as I watched an episode or two, I said, God, she didn't change much. <laughs> I kept the accent in a way, thank God. <laughs> How did you get involved? Because in, that's a bri- actually a brilliant show. How did you get involved? Thank you. Um, I act, um, I don't know. I don't know. I've no clue how I fell into it. But basically, when I moved to London six years ago and... Um, I was obviously looking for radio TV work and I bumped into a producer and he was creating his travel in his own travel channel. And he was like, do you have interest in um, TV presenting? And I was like, yeah, of course I do, because I actually started doing Cork County Matters with Irish TV in Ireland. That's right, I remember yeah, yeah. So I I had a bit of TV presenting experience and he saw that. So he said, would you be interested in in doing some TV? And I was like, yeah. And he started up his own channel six years ago now. And I was their first TV presenter. And since then, they have me traveling the world with them. It's incredible. Globe Clutter TV. Come here. With regard to cruises, yep. and I know you need to run and we'll talk again sometime, but would you, yes. there's sometimes to say about cruise liners um, and cruise trips, Ellen, that they're for the newly wed yeah. or the nearly dead. Yeah. Now, for, for a young person right. in their thirties who might be thinking of yeah. a cruise liner, would you recommend? Yeah. Oh my God, 100%. And this is kind of part of this trip, actually. It's trying to get rid of that stigma because this is not like that. Like it is 
insane. It's a cruise on steroids. <laughs> Mental. There's stuff to do like Broadway. There's Broadway shows every night. Um, performers have come from New York, London to work on the ship. And it's it's there's so many young people. There's families um, and there's something for everyone on it. So it's incredible. Like it's not it's not at all what I expected at all. Right. At all, I can share to do some it. photographs and videos with Ian. Yeah, it's hard Brilliant. to describe, but it's definitely I, not what I expected. You'll be no. going back to your producer now, going, "We need to do a show from the boat." Yeah, yeah. I told them before I left. I was like, "Listen, this is a wrecky you now, and we have to come back and do a proper." Yeah, you see, you like, never, you never lost it. <laughs> you get the Cork woman like get the foot in the door, and before you know it, That's we're all it. here. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Come along the whole lot. Well, you know, there everyone. were some there were some colleagues, Ellen, from a few years ago yeah. that would love to, yeah. you know, we we'd fill a bus. PJ, that's it. Me and you now we'll do a month on the cruise ship uh-huh. to do a bus. We'll do the show. We'll do the show. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Sky 191 is for the spa towns of, of Europe every Friday. Ellen, great to catch up, girl. It's been too long. Do you ever get back oh. to Cork? I do, I do. I get back a lot. Now, I didn't get back, obviously, throughout the pandemic, but I've been back a few times and I'm back again in two weeks for yeah, a wedding. So brilliant. Do it again. Yeah, do the sign great. off for me again. Ellen Collie with the Street Feet. Go on. I can't even remember. Ellen Collie with the Street Feet on Cork's 96. Go on. Oh, yeah. I'm Ellen Collie with the Street Feet on Cork's 96 FM. Cheers, Ellen. Nice talking to you, girl. <laughs> Thank you. Safe travelling. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. She's come a long way from Sticker Patrol, has our Ellen. Ellen Collin, Channel 191 on Sky for her for her show. It's well worth a watch. It is well worth a watch. 0818-969696. Now... We got a message in from a person who signed themselves off as a rural forecourt owner. And again, if you're listening, whoever you are, and you would like to speak to me about this rather than just have me read your comment out, maybe we can do that tomorrow. Um, Because there's always another side to listen to. And people have been very hard on petrol station owners this morning. Um, And me among them. Because I'm looking at what's been happening in the past 24 hours and going, hang on, I can't pick a minute here now. What's happening? But the duty reduction agreed by ministers will only apply to fuel deliveries from today onwards, not on fuel sold today. We pay the duty up front when we order fuel. As most filling stations like myself have stocked up in anticipation of rising prices, We've all paid the higher price. And so it's impossible to reduce prices at midnight as this is being widely reported unless we accept a 25 cent loss per litre. The reduction will only happen once stocks are bought at pre-duty decrease. Levels have been depleted and new deliveries arrive. This may take a week or more. My staff have got abuse today from customers, which is totally unacceptable. And that is from a rural forecourt owner who states that the price they paid for the petrol, if you like, underground in the tank, they also paid the duty on that up front 
So if they cut the duty on that overnight, they take a loss per litre and the duty only applies the next time they fill up the tank under the underground. That makes an amount of sense, i got to say. And thank you for that message. What doesn't make sense, I'm sorry though, is the jacking up yesterday by 15 and 20 cents on four courts. That still doesn't make sense. 0818-969696. PJ, the problem in this country is the greed. Everybody wants business to succeed, but the gouging and the petrol from trips to the cinema, 11 quid for a sandwich, the price of a bag of chips, they're all robbing us. Go back to the pandemic, the money that the government gave to businesses that were closed, and then they still gave us the poor mouth when they opened up. I'm sick of it. Business need to cut their margins and stop robbing people. Petrol stations are the worst, but there's many more just trotting behind them. And look, we we are an expensive place in which to live. We absolutely are an expensive country in which to live. And sure, when we had nothing to do but stay at home the last couple of years, as in stay in Ireland, we realised how expensive we can be as a place, a fabulous place to live, but an expensive place to live. Some news in from the Electric Picnic people. Uh, it's back from the 2nd to 4th September. Some of the names released this morning. Snow Patrol, Picture This, The Arctic Monkey, Dermot Kennedy, and more, and more. We have done so well, or rather you have done so well, in response to a Cork's 96 of M Ukraine crisis appeal. It is continuing, and we'll continue for a bit more. We're asking you to donate whatever you can afford Now, across the wireless group of stations, that's all of our partner stations up and down the country, you've so far raised €50,000 to go to the Red Cross, to go on the ground in Ukraine, where people are just trying to shelter from shells and bombs. And Women and children have none of the basic human essentials. They don't have water. They don't have medical services. You saw yesterday where a bomb was dropped on a, on a maternity hospital, for God's sake. They're living in that. And we're doing our level best to try to get aid to them, try to get them out to do whatever we can for them through our friends at the Irish Red Cross who need your help now more than ever. If you want to help, you can go to 96fm.ie forward slash aid. 96fm.ie forward slash aid. Take it from there. And all monies raised will go to the Irish Red Cross, who will distribute it to their partner agencies around the war-torn region. Now, this is this is interesting. I went for a meal out. It was 110 quid for two, which we've learned to grin and bear. And I guess, you know what? If you had a good meal, a few courses, bottle of wine, that's not extraordinary. But anyway, it is what it is. 110 quid for two, which we've learned to grin and bear. There were two cars in the entire car park. Our our cars. We were each charged ten euro oh my god, ten euro for parking. I put it to the manager that there was no shortage of spaces, and he started off blathering on about COVID. See, I'm sorry. Uh, if someone's coming into your restaurant to eat uh, and and whatever, uh What's wrong with you charging them to use the car park? What, 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 what's the matter with you? 
if you're doing that. Like, seriously. I certainly wouldn't eat somewhere where they charge me to use the car park. 0818 96 96 96. Ben was also in on an email. He says, you might like this. My car failed the NCT yesterday with a major fault. One tyre pressure indicated 1.8 instead of 2. Funny, it would never have been picked up if the car didn't have a display screen on the dash. It's a joke. And that's a major fault now. That's a major fault. They put a, stick, they put a sticker on your car and all down the NCT for that. Ah, oh, Ben, I feel your pain, dude. I really do feel your pain. We had a statement from the CUH following my call with Patricia yesterday about the way she felt she was treated at the hospital. I'll come back to that. But Moraid has been out and about this morning um, on the theme again of fuel prices. And remember, we were hearing all morning how the price of fuel that was supposed to drop by 20 cent for petrol and 15 for diesel at midnight, that hasn't happened in a heck of a lot of places. And a load of places yesterday put the price up anyway, so that even if it did come down, it's at the same price as it was, if not even a cent or two dearer. You can have any excuse if you want, but someone, someone's making money here, and it sure ain't the motorist. Uh, but Moraid was out this morning to see how motorists felt. Huge difference, yeah. It's you're just over 100 quid extra a week in diesel. Well, I have a diesel bill. Last month, I pay, I pay monthly in the count here of two vans in a truck. And last month's diesel bill was 1,700 quid. And for this month, which I paid in the middle of next month, I expect it to go up by 35 40%. And what the government brought in yesterday? It's wiped already. It was just the space of one week. That was taken out. So it's just, they, got, they have to do more. They have to do more. It's clear. Yeah, I didn't think it was going up this much. I thought it was after coming back down a wee bit. But obviously it hasn't. But I have no choice but to get it because I'm nearly empty. That's <laughs> going up all the time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'd be shocked if it comes down. Even if there's a glut. Even if they let Iran export their oil. I think they'll still keep it up. But there's a massive increase, isn't there? Must be an extra 25% per week, which is a lot. And at least today, the prices don't seem to have been reduced at all. Huh? And when you're running a business like a driving school, I mean, is there a fear for the future if prices stay high? Well, there is because, I mean, people first of all, they have to do 12 lessons, and that's only the minimum, you know. And uh, if they have to do more lessons, obviously, we have to charge more. And, it's expensive enough as it is, and particularly with the insurance and tax and, and only a car, like, and, and the diesel, the increase in the deal on top of that, like, it's just quite bad, really. Huge change, huge change, and a lot of garages. Um, this morning, you know, I looked around the place, they didn't seem to bring down their prices at all, in line with what the government brought in yesterday, you know? Absolutely not. Um, and I don't know, I think a lot of them, if you go drive around Douglas now they're all around the same price they're all watching each other what they're doing you know um, it's I think it's it's wrong you know and and, you for a living, you yeah I do yeah, and the, the prices increase dramatically like you know but the government need to do thing, need to do something about it like you know they, they brought in a small thing yesterday but it's not good enough you know it's just not good enough like you know that's the general message uh, around from drivers this morning. Now, Patricia was on with me yesterday talking about her experience at CUH. We, we 
furnished COH with the necessary information, they came back and said, Cork University Hospital can't comment on individual cases. All patients can contact the hospital directly with any concerns or complaints they may have. The Quality and Patient Safety Department can be contacted via coh.complaints at hse.ie. That was all they had to say in that regard. Just before we go, a reminder to you that it starts on Monday. Qualification starts on Monday for your chance to go to the biggest fight of all time in women's boxing. Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano for the lightweight world title at Madison Square Garden. You could be there. Flights, accommodation, spending money. This is a humdinger of a prize April 30th in New York. Your chance to listen and win with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Put your trust in their award-winning after-sales team with a Skoda service at NoelDC.com. Competition only on Cork's 96FM. It all starts Monday. But that's it. The programme edited by Phil Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry, and we'll see you tomorrow, Friday, just after nine. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie.